Hello and welcome to Landings with a Flare, the podcast where we supplement and support flight training. This is Captain Teresa. This conversation was recorded on the audio platform called Clubhouse. You will likely hear some variation in audio quality as speakers tune in from around the world. We hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversations. Welcome aboard. We are going to move on to a new section in our program. We are going to talk about some common questions that pilots have for professional pilots or that maybe aspiring pilots have for professional pilots. We are going to start by asking what a typical schedule sounds like or looks like, and then we are going to ask about work-life balance. I will actually start by giving an example of what a description of a schedule looks like, and then I will take other professional pilots who are willing to volunteer and say what your schedules look like. So I am a regional airline pilot. We fly small regional jets. What our job is, is we connect small airports to big airports in the United States. So often our pattern will be small airport, big airport, small airport, big airport. And our schedule can be quite rigorous. I actually look forward to maybe working for a bigger airline someday where I don't work quite as hard. But the schedule for us, we often do a four-day trip where we fly for four days. Every night is in a different location or a different hotel. And on those four days, we might fly anywhere from two to five times that day. Often about three or four flights is average per day. And then we're required to have at least two days off between each four-day trip. And on a given month, we will work somewhere between 15 to 18 days usually. We have regular schedules called line holder schedules. And then we also have on-call schedules, which are called reserve schedules. And there are different types of that as well. Some people have to be at the airport in two hours after they're called, and other people get 12 hours and other people have to sit at the airport in uniform and they have 15 minutes to go to the airplane if there's an emergency or an unexpected event. So that is what a typical schedule is like for a regional pilot like myself. I will look for microphone flashes. Who would like to explain what a a schedule is like? Yeah, Captain Unmesh. Hey, Teresa. Thank you once again. Yes, like how you spoke about the regional uh, field. I fly the jets that basically we cover flight time, anything between 30 to 35 minutes up to a flight time of six and a half hours to seven hours. And our schedules are, uh, in, in this side of the world, are you get a 30-day schedule that comes on your mail, which has your flight slots that may be assigned where they can ask you request you there are standby duties which is where you have the same thing you are you know certain time frame when they give you a flight if you're required you need to be at the airport within an hour and a half or to two hours and then the other days are your flight duties Uh, uh, flying the airbus 320 family you basically do about four landings in a day to uh, two landings in four days depending on which city you're traveling to if the flight time is more than eight hours of a quick turnaround that is you fly from point a to b and back to point a if it is more than eight, eight hours 
then they plan a scheduled stop in that destination because there's something known as flight duty time limitations where every pilots around the world have restrictive of how many hours they could fly in a day now in case you are flying uh, a longer sector time zones then your rest period also increases because the company and the government wants you to rest well before you are in this uh, major duty of flying people and passengers from one place to the other or cargo or man material depends on what you are doing i typically fly on a good month uh, pre covid uh, flown up to 90 to 100 hours in a month during covid it had obviously dropped down but now as of last month on february i did about 82 hours i'm expected to touch about 85 hours in march uh, This is our typical schedule. Thank you. Thank you for that valuable information. That was excellent. That's a hard act to follow. Who else would like to speak about their schedules, Philip? Yeah, a little long haul schedule. Talking about the European schedule, it's a little bit similar. Depending on what type of aircraft you're flying, depending on the operation of your company, you may end up flying in a two, three, or four. pilot's configuration therefore you also have some rest time on the aircraft or not but over in Europe we can fly a two man operation my record is 10 hours 40 in two man ops just flight time so yeah normally we have around 3 to 5 long haul trips a month depending on the operation and aircraft type obviously and then also sometimes we have two legs so sometimes we do a quick stop somewhere offload and unload cargo and passengers and then we go for a shorter hop somewhere else and then we stay at the hotels around 24 to 48 hours that's for a flag carrier premium carrier because they have a lot of connections but if you are flying charter or or leisure you may end up having a week's layover somewhere especially when you fly for example cruise ship charters to a really small destination with no other traffic and then you may end up sitting a week on the pool or at the beach but yeah they really increase the efficiency over in Europe so normally i would have 10 days off a month and that's it the rest flying and after my duty i have had an average 2 to 3 days off after being away for like in north america for a quick 36 hour trip. Wow, and some people might say, "Wow, 10 days off a month, that's really good." But it's not. It's actually if you consider that a weekend has 2 days, a normal person might have 8 days off. But when you're traveling, a lot of your time is spent resting and sleeping after you get home because you're so tired. And then you have to pack again and and do everything that you couldn't do while you were traveling in that very short amount of time. So that that is a bit difficult to only 10 days off a month. Okay, I believe I saw Captain Sajal Goreta had business flying is much much more fun, but we have to be on our ball all the time because uh, once I remember we woke me up at one o'clock at night and he told me I I want to leave tomorrow. So those things happen, but generally you might fly for about ten days a month and the rest of the days are off. Thank you, Captain, for saying that. Yes, corporate aviation. or that non-scheduled aviation often flying for one private owner that has a lot of variety some private companies actually have somewhat big flight departments like the really big brand names like Coca-Cola and and companies like that and then other ones have very small flight departments it might just be one airplane and one pilot instead of many airplanes 
So as a corporate pilot, the experiences vary a lot. But in general, you do have a little bit less control of your schedule. But some pilots really enjoy that very close personal relationship with their company. And some pilots get to go on great vacations. I have a friend who's a corporate pilot and he spends one week every year on vacation in the Virgin Islands. And he has all of these other nice perks that he gets as well. So there are pluses and minuses. Sometimes you are much more at the command of one person, but a lot of people really enjoy being in a small flight department where everyone really gets along well and and has good cooperation. And then some of the departments that are corporate are actually quite large, and they fly very luxurious jets and have very luxurious jobs. Let's go to Johnny. Just to piggyback on the corporate pilot discussion, you know, those larger corporate pilot things that open it up to other people. Like they have positions for flight operations managers, cabin attendants, flight dispatchers, and, and things like that. So I think it's, like you said, Captain Teresa, it's dependent on the flight department or the organization, how large or how small. But there are plenty of opportunities for not just the pilots and that on-demand schedule, but some of them have very set schedules where you get lots of time off and the benefits are great and there's opportunities for more than just pilots, but it's mechanics and everything. So I'm not saying that we're discounting that, but, you know, for the population of looking to things like that as well. That's a wonderful point. Who else would like to share about the lifestyle at your job? Yes, Dana. Oh, please do share. So one thing that's a little bit different about, I'm not sure about airlines in other countries, just because I don't have experience with it. But major airlines in the United States that operate multiple fleets, like where I work, every fleet is operated like a separate airline. I mean, it has its own culture. It has its own distinct flying mix. And, uh, you know, therefore that that changes the game for scheduling pretty wide. Typically are seeing anywhere between 65 and 90 hours on a line schedule. Every fleet, every base, every seat is independently scheduled. So if you're short on captains in a specific base on a specific airplane, then the line construction economics are different than with the first officer. So if you have a surplus of first officers, you might see lower line values versus captains because they have less to cover. So Based on your seniority, whether or not you're a captain or first officer, your base, your airplane, it's all, it's, it's very, very different. But typically in my seniority range on my airplane, you're looking at getting about 16 to 19 days off. And that's with, like I said, between a 65 to a 90 hour line. But being that there's so much flying and there's so many people in the category, once you get some seniority, you get a lot of control over your schedule. And the nice thing is there's always overtime availability. So if you want to make some extra money, you can. If you value home life and you want to be in the lower credit window and be working less and having more days off, then that's definitely possible too. But yeah, that's one of the nice things about working at such a large company is you're not tied to one specific kind of flying. If you want to fly really long trips, if you want to fly really short trips, then it's possible because I'm looking down the line window and I see some people that only do day trips. So they probably don't commute, they live in base. So they would just stack a bunch of day trips one after another, and then they would get their required 30 hours off and every rolling 168 hours. So basically you need 30 hours off every seven days rolling time. And then they would just go do it again until they're done for the month. But then some other people, they would prefer to just do a long trip and then have some time off. So it's nice because it gives you the flexibility of, you know, not being married to one uh, sort of work format. That's excellent. And Dana, would you be willing to tell us what kind of airplane you fly? 
I understand that you can't say the airline. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm on the Airbus 320 family. We fly the Airbus 319, 20, and 21, and soon to be the 321neo. Excellent. Thank you so much for that overview. And Philip? In Europe, I don't know about the other parts of the world, you're also allowed to fly mixed fleet, meaning if you have two different Airbus ratings, you can fly those two different aircraft at the same time and then end up flying your 320 series and a long-haul Airbus at the same time. So you may have a really mixed schedule too. You may end up having, I don't know, four, four, five long-haul trips or only month of short haul or a mixture of it. Or you may have three days of short hauling and then a quick long-haul flight the next day. And it's really, really rare out there, but this kind of model is out there. Wow, that is a difference. In the United States, it's more common just to stay with like either one type of plane or a similar type of planes, like we'd say the family of planes that are all very similar to each other. I want to take a quick moment to explain what the word seniority means for the people who have not heard that yet. So seniority is very common at airlines. That's how pilots advance and decide almost everything. So when a pilot joins an airline, they get something called a seniority number. Maybe they are the 5,000th pilot to join that airline. So their seniority number would be the 5,000th number. And then when they decide what kind of plane they want and where they want to be based, like what city, they put in what we call a bid. They list all of their preferences. And the computer starts at the top and it says pilot seniority number one can get their choice. And then pilot seniority number two can get all of the leftover choices. And then pilot seniority number three gets all of the leftover choices. So if you're pilot seniority number 5,000, you might not get as many choices as you want, but the incentive is that as you stay with the company, then your seniority gets better and better because there will be new pilots that come on after you. And that's not just for deciding what plane and base you have. That's also for deciding your schedule every month and then some other things as well. Now, I just gave a very simplified explanation. It's much more complicated than that. And there are all sorts of complicated contracts and rules but when you hear pilots talking about seniority numbers, that is what we're really talking about. We say seniority is everything. It's not everything, but it's important. Yeah, Philip? I also want to emphasize that there are also, like Dana said, other jobs apart from, from flying. So you may end up 50% flying on the line and the rest, you may be an instructor, you may be in the office, you may be part of the authority or something else you may only work part-time with an airline and then you may do nothing at all at home because the money is okay or you may be self-employed whatever it's not always about having a 100 contract great point and moda do you want to tell us a little bit about what your monthly schedule looks like certainly well i fly the a320 so it's very similar to what anmesh and a few other guys said so one week to the end of the month, you get the roster for the next month, which tells your schedules. Typically, I do between 70 to 90 hours. And then a single duty could be just the range of the A320. Uh, sometimes you could do 30 minutes. Other times you're doing about seven hours. And it's mixed. Destinations could be in Europe, Asia, Africa, anywhere within the range of the 320 that I fly. What we have as well is a bidding system. I heard you talk about the seniority. So you could bid for certain destinations. 
and you could also bid for days off for the month to come. So that also helps um, if you have certain plans of certain destinations or maybe an event that you don't want to miss and you want days off to go, you could do that as well. I'm sure it's pretty similar with other airlines. That's excellent. How many days off would you get per month on average? Typically about eight days off on my fleet. Oh, wow. That's a busy schedule. Yeah, it is quite busy at the moment because things are picking up again. Uh, during COVID, I had way more days than I actually wanted. <laughs> but then, yeah, you do have just between eight to 10 days. Yeah. Okay. And how long is an average trip? How many days in a row? So the maximum I typically do, it's probably flying continuously for like six days. Okay. Wow. Sorry about the... <laughs> well, I can tell you need to go. <laughs> yeah. Sorry okay. about that. Oh, that's... A, that We totally understand that's normal on Clubhouse. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's really good to know. And Johnny, I'm curious. I know now that you have a very unique type of schedule in the military, but... Do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about what the lifestyle was like when you were a helicopter pilot and you were maybe more active and I, I don't even know how to express it, but maybe when you were like at a lower level, kind of like a more standard type job? Sure. Flying helicopters back then, if we're not in a deployed environment, it's a, it's a lot of training, you know, lots of training. You can take a helicopter out. As long as they're working, is not under maintenance. You know, they do a very good job of keeping a maintenance flow, you know, with the aircraft. Because um, flying helicopters like I did for Medivac, if you're not on call, like you can go out and train because they have 15 Blackhawks to a unit. So as long as we're not in the maintenance flow, it's like, okay, you can take it out and go train and do what you need to do. And on average flying helicopters, you don't get like the you know, the 90 hours that you do flying fixed when you get, you know, 40, 40 hours a month on a good month. Now, in a deployed environment, you get a lot more than that. We had guys flying 100 hours a month. It's so much transport things that you're doing in a deployed environment or a high training environment. As a, what we call a first officer, which is very commonly known. So I refer to, you know, a nine pilot in command as a first officer in the military. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little rough, <laughs> just to say the least. You know, you're out there. You know, you're doing everything possible to get the aircraft ready and just making sure everything is in order. But what that allows you to do is, once you get upgraded to a captain, you know what to expect. You know, you know, it's so repetitive. If something is missed, you automatically know it when you see it. But a, a typical day is like a, a, just a normal day. You go into work. Your job is to fly. Your job is to not do much other than that, just fly and know your aircraft from tip to tail. We don't have to necessarily be the mechanics, but you got to know what's what's going on when something goes wrong. Just back flying helicopters back then, you know, flying fixed wing now in the military. It's a normal day. It's very, it's, it's quite beautiful, actually. I could go to any airport, you know, the, the small airports that the big planes can't get to. We can get in those, the big airports, we can get into those. We fly everywhere the world is our oyster so to speak you know flying fixed wing with the training that we're allowed to do so it's a good mix you know i, I want to dispel rumors you know people are probably you know afraid oh man i gotta go do this i gotta go do that well well yeah that's a part of the job you know what you when you sign up for the military to be a pilot 
you know, some some things come with it. So expectation management, I would say, is the great thing. But the most beautiful thing about it is that you get your flight training paid for and a lot of tight ratings, a lot of experience. So you come in, you do your time, get your ratings paid for. You walk out into the civilian world with all the necessary tight ratings to flow right into a job. And a lot of times you see that. I think some of the other professional pilots can speak to that. They've been in the cockpit with maybe former military guys or girls, and it's worked out well. So that's always an option. Again, I'm not a recruiter, but I will advocate for the fact that what the military has done for me when it comes to flight training. Wow, Johnny, that is very interesting. I always have wondered about the military being a civilian and about the military flying. And you're right, you can get your flight training paid for. And depending on which country you're in, you can often get benefits as a veteran that pays for additional education afterward, university degrees, master's degrees, things like that. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because I have two of my degrees from Emory-Riddle paid for by the military. You know, everyone knows what Emory-Riddle is. Not everyone goes to it, but everyone is familiar with that university. The military paid for two of my degrees from there. You get a lot of a lot of things. Yes, we don't we don't have Airbuses. We don't have um, you know triple sevens and things like that. But we do give you the training to put you well on your way to get those tight ratings from those aircraft. I got all my training, my ATP, my upset recovery, this aerobatic training, Bush Pilot School, international procedures courses, everything that I, I have to my record has been given to me by the military in my transition out of the military is proving to be great. Like I said, stay tuned. It will be a title change for me. And my title change is a result of the aviation training that I got in the military. That is great. And Embry-Riddle University is the top aviation university in the United States. Everybody agrees. And and so, like Johnny said, often in almost any pilot job, you have to pay your dues and work hard at the beginning but the benefits can be very nice at the end. And Johnny, I look forward to seeing some very nice benefits for you. Now, I want to move right into our next question, which is about work-life balance. And I want to give Captain Unmesh a chance to speak first because I know that he has to leave very soon. So one of the most popular questions that new students have is, how do I balance my family and my personal life with the job? Is it possible to have both? Captain Unmesh, do you have any words of wisdom for us? Great question, Captain Teresa. You know, the easiest answer is you know you should find a spouse or your life partner who's working in the aviation industry for us to understand and discuss. I mean, I can come home and say, you know, today we had a, a, a sulking day where the APU wasn't working and I don't have to go about explaining how it works. But apart from that, I've had friends who have, uh, you know, their life partners in different fields in different ways. It is difficult at times when your schedule is haywire. It, it, it really works uh, apart. But it's always the effort that takes into making any uh, relationship, any family as such. You just have to work, plan, and, you know, set your days off, plan days off ahead. Make sure that those days off are utilized as off days and you don't end up answering work calls or not make yourself workaholic going flying or trying to chase that wonderful dream of a seven-figure bank balance or a bank statement as such. But that's it. That's Anmesh. I'm done speaking. Captain Unmesh, thank you for that insight. I really appreciate it. 
who else would like to give words of wisdom to new pilots? Dana, yes, please. Yeah, so not everything's about, you know, romantic and personal relationships, but some of it's just, you know, managing how you want to live your life because there's more to it than that. But, you know, a big part of that specifically is just having some self-awareness, doing some soul searching and having good communication because, you know, you probably heard rumors about how marriages or relationships and things are hard. And, and sometimes they are in the respect that you don't have a traditional schedule that you're necessarily off every weekend or you're not necessarily off at a certain time. But having the maturity to say what you want, knowing what you want and, and talking about it with other people is is the name of the game. Because especially as a young person, that's kind of asking a lot because a lot of people are still figuring out who they are. But don't don't be in a rush to, you know, put a square peg in a round hole, so to speak, because, you know, if, if things aren't going to work, then, then, you know, this lifestyle kind of makes it worse. But like I said, you just, you have to be a good communicator. You have to set out clear expectations. And if we're talking about spouses or, or significant others, you know, establishing ground rules about what is and isn't okay, then, and things will be fine. Um, you know, People, they talk about infidelities and things like that. You know, if people have a day job, they they do that too. This is no different. And, you know, the fact that that happens sometimes, you know, people do that in every line of the, uh, line of work. So I, I don't think that's any more predominant here. People are going to do that. They're going to do that regardless of what they're doing. But, you know, it, it, making plans and, and trying to stick to them with friends definitely does make it easier to, to keep up because it's it's, you know, Anybody that's been out of high school for any amount of years knows that it's it's harder to keep up with friends and it's harder to, you know, keep in contact. But you know what? It, it's just like anything else. You have to show up and you have to put in effort. Otherwise, it's not going to just happen by itself. It can also be an asset to be gone for some days because seeing each other again, I think, is really, really nice. Yeah, what Dana said is totally correct. You have to set the basis with the partner, otherwise it won't work. But seeing each other after some days, that's always really, really nice. And it also contributes to the relationship because everyone has their own space, and that's really, really good. That's a great point. I know a lot of pilots that say that they actually enjoy traveling because it gives them sometimes a break from their busy schedules. Maybe when they're home, they're very busy with children and with their family life. And when they travel, that's actually when they take, to some extent, their break. I mean, they're still working hard, but it's a different type of work. And even just having a different type of work can feel more like a relaxed vacation. I actually do less work when I'm traveling mentally because I'm trying to let my brain rest and focus on flying. And so when I'm at home, I'm, I'm busy working on the podcast now and Clubhouse and that kind of thing. And when I travel, I do a little bit of that too, but I actually spend just a lot more time just relaxing in the hotels and, and just kind of enjoying a slightly different style of life. So I've known a lot of pilots that say that the travel is actually kind of nice too. It can go both ways. Any other comments on work-life balance or advice? Oh, Jody. Thank you. I had a question about this work-life balance as well. I know in my experience, most of my friends are either in the industry or have worked in the industry, and they seem to understand the quick schedule changes and the certain aviation terms I would use if I'm complaining about a really rough day at work. 
do you find that's the same for majority of you that most of your friends outside of work are aviation professionals? Anyone can answer that. Okay, I'll answer that. So that's a great question. I have a lot of friends in the aviation industry, but I've also retained a lot of my friendships outside of that. And to some extent, I almost had to train them what to expect. At first, when I joined the airlines, I had to get my family accustomed to the idea that I might be willing to celebrate a holiday, but I might not be able to celebrate it on the exact day that the holiday occurred. So maybe we would celebrate Christmas on December 22nd or December 28th and not December 25th. And what's happened is my family has and my friends have become much more accustomed to my schedule now over the years. So a lot of times I'll say, well, these are the days I'm free because I know my schedule about the 18th or the 19th of the month before. A lot of times I'll tell them the days I'm free and we'll try to make it work when I'm free. But I also will say, if you can't make it work for my schedule, go ahead and do it anyway. And they're okay with that too. They know that I'll be okay and they'll be okay. And sometimes we'll have Zoom meetings instead on holidays or other things like that. So it does take a little bit of setting expectations. One of the things that we say about work-life balance in the industry is that you get quality instead of quantity would be one way to look at it. For example, with parents, a parent that works 40 to 60 hours a week, they might be home a lot and see their kids every night, but they might be very distracted when they're at home and not be able to spend as much time focusing on their children. For a parent who's traveling, when they're gone, they're really gone. I mean, they can use FaceTime and sending photos by text message and Zoom and that kind of thing. But when they're home, they have all of this time where they can really focus on their family. And especially the higher level pilots that have more room in their schedules. I've known some airline pilots that went to almost every single sports game that their children had in school. And it was because they were able to arrange their schedule around their family life. And when they were with their family, they were able to really be present and focus on their family. So it's a little bit different. I will tell you, so I've never been married and I don't have kids, but a lot of women pilots are. That's another story. But I've been able to help my family in different ways. For example, I might miss some of the the birthdays and that kind of thing. But sometimes, like when my sister-in-law was giving birth to a baby, I was able to take several days off of work all at once and help out in a really big block of time and just be a huge help for my family. And there are times when I can help my family in special ways because I have a different schedule. So I don't know if that helps answer your question. I'm open to any other questions or comments. It does answer the question. I I was just curious because, as I mentioned, most of my close friends have worked in the industry or they're currently in the, the industry. And I have just a handful that I've met along my my life before aviation. And I I noticed that there was some challenges, especially in the beginning. But with what you said about taking time off for your sister, that's something that's really special that in most careers, you can't do that without using vacation time or 
using a leave of absence. So it's a, a great advantage that we have. Exactly. And I've been able to help my family with moving and different events and that kind of thing. It is different. When you were speaking, it reminded me of some YouTube videos that are funny and popular. <laughs> so these are very, very popular videos. You want to go to YouTube and type in the words living the dream and maybe the word pilot with it. And it's a series of, I believe it's four videos. They're all jokes, but they're making fun of the pilot lifestyle. And they have those little Lego figures that act out some of the common experiences that pilots have. And they're, they're jokes and they're kind of pessimistic and funny all at the same time. But I tell people that if they can watch those videos and they still want to be a professional pilot, then they're really truly ready to be a pilot. And there's also one that's a knockoff on that, and that's called Living the Pilot's Wife's Dream. And that talks about the challenges of being like a spouse for someone who's traveling a lot. On that one, they do talk about a lot of the common situations, and they're just a lot of jokes, and you'll have to watch it yourself. But I will say that there are many pilots who are parents, both men and women. And one of the most common things that you'll see is that everyone finds a way to get a support network for themselves. If there are 100 different pilots, there are 100 different ways to handle the situations. Everyone has to be creative in their own situation. But the common thread is that most people get some type of support network. Sometimes it's like a spouse who's just staying at home full time, but not always. A lot of times both spouses are in the aviation industry, like Captain Unmush was saying. So then what you can get is maybe you have relatives that help with the children, parents, aunts and uncles, a support network like that. Sometimes it's a nanny or an au pair or a daycare. There's so many different creative solutions the important part is to have a support network, or as Captain Shanita says when she's talking about raising her son, she talks about how she has a village. She has a big support network that helps her. And that is, I believe, one of the secrets to work-life balance. Any other thoughts on work-life balance, Philip? Yeah, also, if you are part of a crew, you also have to know that you also have to spend a lot of time uh, for yourself when you are on duty. You may see a lot of uh, rooms from uh, hotel rooms from inside. Not every day and every time there will be some crewmate who will join you for a certain event or for some supper or whatever. So you may also have to know how to get the time running or what to do when you have too much time for yourself. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Bauda, did I see your microphone flash? Yes, I was just going to add that sometimes it actually helps to have friends outside of aviation. I realized that most of my friends are from uni or from flight school. And most often than not, when we meet, we have to actually make a deliberate effort to not talk about work or not to talk about aircraft. So having friends outside of aviation can be refreshing just to have someone to talk to about something else other than work. Yeah, that actually helps. My partner is not in the industry. So she might not necessarily understand everything, but then it's sometimes just nice to come back home and talk about something that is not work-related. Uh, maybe something she experienced from her work, which is different from mine. I find that to be good as well. 
That is a great point. Sometimes pilots need a break from aviation. That is a really good point. And it's funny that you say that about trying to not talk about work because pilots are so notorious for always talking about aviation. Most pilots know this joke, but a really popular joke says, how do you know if there's a pilot at a party? And the answer is, don't worry, they will tell you. And then some people say, how do you know if the pilot is still there two hours later? And they say, enough about me, let's talk about my airplane. I had one other thought on work-life balance. One of the themes that you might have heard as we were talking about careers is that the lower levels in the aviation industry are where pilots have to often work very hard, work long hours, and put in their dues. And then as they rise up in the industry, the quality of life gets much better. So generally speaking, if you can make plans for your life so that you can do a lot of the earlier stages when you're young and single and you don't have as many connections, usually it's easier to rise in the ranks much more quickly. And then if you maybe held off a little bit longer before getting into maybe like serious relationships and that kind of thing, then often people will find that there's a better time in their life for that. But for everyone that will take that advice, there are many other people who shouldn't take that advice. And maybe they have a completely different plan in their life and their careers will work out really well too. So that's just a thought for someone to consider. That's not a commandment or anything like that. That's just a thought that you might want to consider how it's better to focus on your career early on, but that's not always the right choice for everybody. Any final comments? I do believe we have to wrap up the room. Before we leave, I want to say a special thank you to everyone here. First of all, I want to say thank you for everyone who joined, all of our guest speakers, and everyone who listened as well. We had a a very popular room with great attendance. And I want to say a very special thank you to the silent moderator, Kyle who was wonderful looking in the chat, helping us with the chat, helping make things go smoothly in the background. Kyle, as many of you know, runs the busiest aviation club here on Clubhouse, Aviation Enthusiasts. Thank you so much for being here today. Also, Z, who is here in the audience, she was recording people's names and Clubhouse profiles so that we can give all of the speakers credit. When we post the podcast episodes, Z is always a huge help and a support in the background. I want to thank the moderators, Enrique, Johnny, and Dana, and everyone else who helped moderate the stage. Again, thank you everyone for coming. This is Captain Teresa. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you were one of the people being recorded, I thank you. If you were one of the people that we edited out of this recording, I beg your forgiveness. There were many reasons that this episode may have been edited, including length, audio quality, and accuracy. We don't always have the right answers. I ask you to view this as entertainment and not as a replacement for formal instruction or advice. If you want to send constructive feedback or if you have questions, feel free to contact us through our website landingswithaflare.com. You can view announcements on our Instagram account, landingswithaflare. You can also join our live conversations on Clubhouse in the club pilot flight training.
If you got value out of this podcast, please consider subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a positive review. Wherever you are in the world, we wish you happy landings.